Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lily Kate Show. And we often talk about how the illegal immigration crisis is really destroying the state of Texas. It's destroying the nation. It's making us weak from inside out because we're not telling people that they need to actually assimilate to our American culture. I mean, as far as we know, Spanish could probably be the language that is native to the U.S. in a few years with all these illegals flooding across. Now, we have at least the numbers recently said 250,000 thousand people coming over the border every single month and it's not slowing down anytime soon. However, we've all heard all the horror stories, the humanitarian crisis that we're having, but something I want to talk about is the legal immigration process because believe it or not, there are still people from either European countries, from Russia, from Oriental countries in in Asia or even in the Middle East who are trying to come over legally, whether it be from Afghanistan, from Italy, from Russia, Ukraine, or whether it be from the Netherlands or strictly just from Scotland or Ireland. People are still trying to come over. So during this podcast, we're going to discuss legal immigration and the absolute and complete and utter headache that it is. Like I kind of said last week, we always talk about it from a very factual logic point of view. We don't really usually talk about these issues whenever they're dealing with our personal lives. And the immigration crisis and the legal immigration crisis, I would say is an issue that if you're not personally attached to it, you have no empathy for it until you are personally attached to it. And then you want everyone to hear. You want everyone to feel empathy for your situation. You want everyone to listen to your woes because it's a pain in the rear. My grandfather on my mom's side is actually a resident of England. He kind of has stayed around the British Isles his whole entire life. And we want to get him over here. He's been facing some really severe health problems and the British socialized Medicare system completely destroyed him. He was a healthy, healthy grandpa. He ran like 13 miles every single day. They severed his hip. Anyway, it's really awful what they've done to him and they don't care about him and he's over 70 years old and we're trying to get him over to the United States. So obviously through COVID, it's been a heightened crisis. It's been even harder to get someone over to the United States, not just to apply for an illegal immigrant visa or to get a green card or anything like that, but just to fly someone over here. So with the added crisis of COVID on top of this, it's made it extraordinarily difficult. But we applied in April 2021 in repeated lockdowns. I mean, obviously, you guys know how Britain has dealt with this crisis. They have been very authoritarian, locking down everything at the slightest little scare. They have been facing shortages, and so family have actually not been able to visit him due to quarantine requirements. There's 12 different steps. Steps one through three are simultaneous. You submit a petition, pay $535, and they set up an account, some kind of account um, number. We were to approve and move to the next step in July, and that was three months ago. So step four through six are also simultaneous. Apparently, you have to get an affidavit of support, proof of financial documents, and complete an online application and pay $445. So that's nearing $1,000 that you have to pay before you even get to even apply to become a citizen. You have to make all these accounts first. All right. So the form, apparently, whatever form you have to fill out, um, takes 155 minutes to complete, apparently. That is not including the time away from it to look up all the invasive and super old information that they require. One thing that they require is every single address my grandpa has lived in since he was 16 years old. He is now 74, um, and he's had quite the life. So they seem to need to know a boatload of stuff about you, his deceased parents, divorced spouses, marriage licenses. So you 
you are continually trying to trace down all of these old documents, submit them and make sure that they're correct. And that has actually been a whole process of its own because you, normal people move once or twice in their lives. Sometimes they can get married and get divorced and they have children and, and whatnot. Our lives are all very complicated. So tracking all of those documents down, if you don't have them on hand, can be extraordinarily tiresome and difficult. Step nine through seven is you have to submit civil documents that require to provide a ton of documents to support everything on the online form. So you needed to, he needed to apply for all different copies of forms and it cost him about $200 and two months to arrive. You need police records, divorce, marriage records. So after you apply all of those, you need to get your interview scheduled. And that's what my family is waiting on now to get an interview scheduled. So then after that comes step 10, which is a medical examination and interview prep. And you have to, of course, gather all your documents for that and have them with you uh, physically. But you also need to do the uh, medical examination, which not really sure what that requires as of right now, because COVID has heightened everything and everybody's freaking out a little bit more than they should. Step 11 is the interview. Step 12 is after the interview. And what that consists of is basically they say yes or no, you're allowed to come in to the United States and you are not. So I asked my mom, what is the most difficult part about this? And she said, the most difficult part is there is no person to ask any questions. There's no one to talk to. There's no online 24-hour customer service provider. At any minute, the next step can be approved and you have to be ready to jump because it's mostly out of your hands. You don't have any control over when it gets approved. All you can do is submit the forms and wait and wait and wait. You can't ask where your your forms are in the process you can't ask a person a clarifying question hey does this make sense what when i submit this answer or would this be a better answer to submit it's co totally cold turkey i asked my mom for one idea that she had to reform this system because it's been extraordinarily frustrating and my grandpa is getting older and she said one idea is to change the priority processing to favor americans rather than foreigners and this is kind of where it ties into current events and what's happening today because right now you have people who have no family members in the U.S. You have people who are coming up from the southern border who have no ties to the U.S. All they want is the freedom and the financial opportunity. Then you have people coming over from Afghanistan who have their only ties to the United States are being a translator. And apparently there's a lot of translators that are coming over. So they all get first priority because they're in a crisis situation. But the problem is, is when you're a nation, you need to be prioritizing your own citizens and your own citizens' family and your own citizens' needs. And obviously there are, you know, cases and exceptions for all of these things. But the problem is, is that we're U.S. citizens. We have been U.S. citizens. I mean, I've been obviously my whole life. My mom became a U.S. citizen when she married my dad and came over from Ireland and they still don't get any kind of priority. But they make it extremely difficult because they keep slotting in people ahead of U.S. citizen interests. And that's a global agenda that conservatives specifically are very angry about. It speaks to the broader narrative of what we're exporting overseas. And when George Bush in his second inaugural address said that it's America's job to fight tyranny all over the globe and eradicate all tyranny across the globe. Well, that's a really broad statement for the purpose of America. And that takes us away from prioritizing U.S. citizens and our interests, the citizens who are paying the taxes, who are providing the money for us to run these crazy programs to provide the financial and economic opportunity for the people who want to come here. So, of course, we want American citizens' interests to be served first. And maybe, actually, that's not a selfish point of view. That's just commonsensical. Currently, there is a backlog of actually 468,000 U.S. immigrant 
cases. That is a huge backlog that requires so much time and so much manpower. But the thing is, is that we have a tiered system, right? And the tiered system is tier one, immediate relatives get like adoption visas or age out cases. Included in tier one also are special immigrant visas for like people, like we said, who are working with the US government or emergency cases determined on a case by case basis. So people who are seeking asylum and crises and all that, all that falls under emergency cases. Then tier two is immediate relative visas, fiance visas, returning um, resident visas, and people who want to be here because they have people who are already here. Tier three, family preference immigrant visas and special immigrant visas for certain employees of the U.S. government abroad. So people who are working with the United States, but also should apply for citizenship here. Tier four is all other immigrant visas, including employment preferences and diversity visas. As you can see, our grandpa is tier two behind emergency cases. But the problem is, is the U.S. is having so many emergency cases. So does that mean that everyone illegally who walks across the border will be processed? before those are related to illegal Americans who are paying and attempting to do the legal immigration process, how are they being organized? Are they being organized as emergency visas or are they being processed as all other? Because that would be either tier one or tier four. As I said, there's a huge backlog of cases and I don't think that that's going to get smaller anytime soon because of the crisis that we're having. The call of action that we need to have is figure out how these illegal immigrants are being prioritized, how they're being organized, and what tier of the immigration process are they being put into, because that will significantly affect everyone else that is coming across our border legally or trying to gain citizenship here. We need to prioritize the people who are going to make U.S. family lives better, like fiancés, marriages, grandparents, and the like, and people who are going to bring employment. Right now, these illegal immigrants, not all of them are bringing the best and brightest, right? Not all of them are bringing financial opportunity. But of course, that's just me speculating on exactly what I want my interests to be and my family's interests when it comes to this illegal and legal immigration process. Coming up next, we have a story, a very emotional story from someone who I met actually at a Turning Point USA event. And you know what? Let's just get straight into it. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I'm going to admit your full name is Majestic and I will not do it justice. So please introduce yourself, our mysterious guest. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Amantia van Holte tot Echte. That's my full name. People just call me Amantia, obviously. Uh, I'm 19 and I moved to Florida three years ago from the Netherlands. So I'm a legal immigrant. Well, becoming a legal immigrant, you texted me this past week and told me briefly what is happening with your story, your immigration process. And can you just fill us in on all the gruesome details of that? So about, I want to say 14 years ago, me and my family went over here to Florida to visit some family. And we saw that the opportunities were much better for us here. So we started our immigration process about 14 years ago. Um, we definitely underestimated it. We got scammed a couple of times be, uh, because of immigration lawyers that try to take advantage of people that want to escape their countries. Um, I was always dreaming of coming to Florida because it was just the best town ever. Um, back home, I grew up in a socialist country, which was obviously very hard being a conservative since I was born. Uh, I always had a different opinion, so I never really liked that. But once we started to become in the process, 
we figured out some stuff that nobody warned us for. For example, the amount of scams there are, the amount of money you have to pay. Um, I was always kept silent because they checked our social media accounts. So if I were to express my actual political opinion, they would totally reject us, which they did three times. Um, and then when Trump came into office three months later, we heard that we are allowed to come to this country. So we bought a company, a clothing store, which we gave Americans jobs. And that's what we had to do. We had to keep them on payroll. And that was our way in. So when we bought the store, it wasn't really that we looked at the numbers. It wasn't even to make money. It was literally just to move here, which we did. Uh, once we moved here and we got everything done, you basically have that investment visa for about five years. And every five years, they have to check the books of the company that you bought to see if it's still going and if it's profitable for the United States. So after about three years now of living here, we figured out some loopholes that are very much in our disadvantage. So we figured out that if we don't leave the country every two years, we don't get an I-94 paper, which is a paper that gets renewed every single time you come through the border. But because of COVID and the vaccines and everything, my family and has not left the United States, obviously. So we can renew our I-94, which means we can renew our driver's license. And this is such a weird situation to be in because we are in like we are in fact legal. Everything we do is legal. We're not going against any laws. We're not going overstaying our visa. But while we're living here and being legal and fighting to like stay here, we literally can't do anything like any other citizen can. I'm a 19-year-old girl and I can't even open my own bank account. I cannot work anywhere because I'm not allowed to request a social security number. Like, if you think about stuff like that, that's day-to-day -day stuff for most Americans here. But for me, that would be like heaven to happen. And it's hard to consider you being legal, but then while you're doing your day-to-day -day stuff, you get stuck everywhere. Like, I had so many opportunities that I would love to have worked for, but... I just basically couldn't. So I've been working for free, literally for everyone, just to be able to get my future going. And now I figured out because my I-94 expired, I might not even be able to travel within the United States because, you know, I don't have a valid driver's license right now. So am I able to travel with just a Dutch passport? I don't know. You know, and our we have an immigration lawyer and we thought our process was going and he keeps pushing the date so last july you said within a month you have your green card like we've been we've been fighting to get that green card for years now but it seems so close by and now it seems so far away because everything i want to do you need that to be able to do it wow so back to your social media accounts because you said you had been rejected three times in the past was that to do with your specific social media or your family or kind of tell us about that just a second i'm not 100 percent sure because they will obviously never tell what they do but we have a feeling that because my dad started like texting with people over here to get his visa like he started to get um information from the united states of people that lived here talking about the laws and how to get in here and what is easier and obviously politics came involved with that so my dad always followed trump he always liked their stuff and i have a feeling that they might have figured that out or something i don't know but they they obviously were able to tell that we would have voted for Trump when we came here. 
Right. Because not because of a political reason necessarily, because Trump made it easier to immigrate here in a non-chaotic and straightforward way where he wasn't allowing people to game the system as much as you kind of talked about in the beginning. So it's not even at an advantage of a political party. It's the advantage to your family and your life and your business. It basically felt like as if the people that actually had to offer something, because we came with big money. We had my dad has a job that nobody else is able to do. He restores antique furniture, like really old furniture. And he's really good at it. And he's literally the only one here that does it. So they knew we had something to offer. They knew I had ambition to work here and my mom as well, my little brother as well. And they just couldn't stand it, I feel like, because they obviously knew who we would have voted for. Um, So it felt almost like people that had nothing to offer were the only ones allowed in. And it was true. People with uh, from countries that had less money, you know, less opportunities. Of course, they want to move, but those got more visas per year on a percentage than my country did because my country is more developed than other countries. Do you think it's because that you guys come from typically a Northern European country as opposed to like Colombia or or Venezuela or even Cuba? I definitely feel like that was the case because if you went, I'm from the Netherlands, which is all the way up North in Europe. But if you come from like Italy or Southern Europe, for some reason they they, it was literally stated in the documents that there were more visas given away every single year than up north in Europe, which obviously felt like a bummer because we felt like what if we moved down south and then moved to the United States? Like we had all these scenarios in our head just to be able to move here. And now that we're here, we're still having to fight for freedom, which is why we moved. But it's so hard to explain to people even that are against illegal immigration and only for illegal, like people don't understand how actually hard it is. Like it's draining my energy every single day. It's all we can think about. Like me and my family had not had a normal conversation since we figured all this stuff out that we had to worry about. Like I'm 19, normal 19 year olds don't have to worry about their immigration process, but it's really hard to have this pressure on your back because you want to do everything right. But I can't share my entire political opinion because they still check out my social media before I get that green card. So it feels like I'm some type of insecure like path. Even though we live here and we have all the freedoms, we don't at the same time. So you're like almost a halfway citizen in a way. And that's just a terrible place to be. So in your opinion, what has been the most difficult part? I would say mentally, it's really hard to be able to focus on what you love the most because you hear from everyone like, oh, if you want to go do that, then go do it. Or you get all these opportunities on your path. And it's like, why are all these opportunities right here? And I can't grab them. I want to grab them with all my arms. And I, I can't because you know, I'm not allowed to actually do it if I don't want to become something illegal. So basically, that was really mentally hard on me because I have so much ambition and I want to be able to do it and I'm working hard for it and I can't. But also the insecurity of not being able to live in a country. Like when we were back home, we were so insecure. Like, are we going to be able like to move to the United States? Like all we did was try to go there because we didn't always had it this like nicely, you know, like we had rough times with money and it was horrible. Like I was bullied all my life. Like I don't, I can't even go back to that. But when we were there, all we were able to do was fight to get here. And now that we're here, we have to fight to stay here. And I think it's so hard to be like in an insecure spot and almost feel like you have no human rights. Like as a girl, like I can't go out. Like all my friends that do their day-to-day stuff, if I were to do that, I either get kicked out of this country 
or you know i i have nothing left to do so it's it's really hard i guess that point but also to stay silent that i think that's maybe one of the hardest part every single thing i do i hear my parents say you need to be careful with what you say and of course every parent probably says that to their kid but i know what this one means like if i say something wrong i can make the entire family fail in what we've been working on for 14 years so that pressure on your back is really really hard like every single thing i say i have to watch what i say and that's probably the most exhausting thing I've ever had to do. And people always say that America is so awful, yet people like your family are fighting for years upon years to actually get here. Um, I do have a question, though, because a lot of times state or federal government staff are pretty awful, right? I mean, let's just be honest. You never want to go to the DMV. You never want to go to a government office. They're grouchy. They're tired. They don't really want to be working there. Besides the lawyers and the people who have scammed you, how have federal employees acted toward you? My my mom's an Irish immigrant, right? She cried tears of joy when she was finally sworn in as a, as a citizen of the United States. And I just want to know, because she always talks about how, how brutal it was to go into these offices with these people who don't care about you and you're just a number in the system. Where's the humanity? I, that's probably one of the hardest things too. I was uh, an eight-year-old girl and I had to go into the consulate in Amsterdam, which is this big like fortress basically, because they have these gates in front of it as if something is going to do to it any second. So you have to go in there, security, like even more security than at the airport. You have to take off all your belts and, you know, your watch and whatever you had on, you have to take off. And I just remember it being such like a dark place when I went in there. And of course, as a little girl, everything seems different than when you're older. But when I was little, I had to go in there. And my parents, before we walked in, said, please don't say a word. Because if I say something too much, they might reject us just off that. Because they see us walking in there as these like desperate people. And they kind of like laugh at you. They have these smirks on their face. And I remember as a little girl looking at them and like being so scared of saying something wrong. And like I, we took the day off of school to go there because we had to be there for our fingerprints and everything. And I was so, so, so scared. And I saw my parents, how stressed they were. And to see that as a little girl in my perspective was so hard because you can feel their emotion and it's pain. It's pain. You don't, you're so insecure. You don't know what's going to happen at the end of the day. And, you know, we, we were praying, we were flying the American flag in a country that never really waves flags. Like, we were so uptight and so scared. And then when you walk in there and you see these people looking down on you, because obviously I was tinier than them, but you stand be behind a glass that's thicker than a door of a car. Like, you stand behind such a thick glass and these people smirk at you and right in, their fa in your face they say, nope, it's not going to happen try again later. That's literally what they said. And the power, the power that they have to hold those things over you for just small little human flaws and quirks that we all have. So I guess to get practical, because this sounds like an awful situation that, you know, Republican Democrat, we all want to reform the immigration system effectively and help it work and help people be able to get here legally so that one, we don't have as many illegal border crossings because it's already such a hassle to get over, but two, to make it easier for people like yourself who are fighting for freedom every single day. So then in your opinion, what or how could the immigration process be reformed to make it easier for legal people like you guys to get into the nation? There is a chance to change it. It's going to take a lot of time, but for me, it was the delay that was there. Like, the people that had to wait 
for an answer is so long. Like there are so many people out here behind me in the waiting list because it's like a waiting list to come in here. And we had the privilege to come over here with an investment visa, but not everybody has that much money. But if they come here, they will be loyal to your country. They will pay their taxes. Their kids will be adjusted. Like we learn the language, like whatever they want. We probably do it better than Americans that are born here because we actually learn how to appreciate it better. <laughs> I would but, definitely second that. So I definitely feel like if we work on the delay that they have, because it's the immigration process that we're in right now, the people in California are taking so long. It's like you're in line in the DMV. I'm not even joking. Like they're right now working on cases that were submitted in 2007, 2007. That's how much they're behind. So if we can work on getting more people into that office and getting the people in that actually care for this country, of course, we have to adjust the the leader that's in power right now, because if he's still in there, the wrong people are going to get pushed forward in the line and the right people that have actually something to offer in this country are going to be pushed back into line, uh, which we actually uh, almost had. Well, I've had people tell me that they were even against legal immigration, but I don't think they know who is legal and who is not. because. The only people they see as immigrants is the illegal ones because those are the ones that make chaos. Those are the ones creating the drama. Those are the ones like ruining this country, literally. So when people tell me, oh, I'm even against legal immigration, I've heard it before. And I asked them, do you know who you're talking to? And they were like, yeah, you're born here, right? And I'm like, no. If you can't notice that I'm like an immigrant, why would you even say you're against it? So that's definitely something we have to work on because... Even the conservatives that I've met, they're really against legal immigration. And I, I can't even imagine how that goes. But people tell me I'm making this up, but I've heard it before. Wow, I've heard it many times. Right? So we definitely need to work on that too. But yeah, the delay is probably one of the worst things we have. And the people that are like prioritized in line, we have to work on that too. It kind of really gets to the next question I want to ask. Because you say that people who are coming up through our border in Texas and people who are going through New Mexico and up through California, they're getting put at the front of the line to get their visas, to get their driver's license, to become citizens because they will typically vote Democrat because that's what the Democrat regime wants. And we all know it's for political purposes only. So then my last question for you is, how do you feel about illegal immigration and the crisis we have at our southern border? It really hurts me. It's not even I don't even see it as an issue. I see it as like a personal attack. Like, it's almost as if they are more worthy of life and of like freedom than I am. And it's so hard for us like we spend it so much money. I can't even put it into numbers. I can't even say it. But like we we spent a lot of money and these people come in for free. Like obviously I was raised in a socialist country, so it was not as bad as Venezuela or Cuba. But there is people out there that actually need to move here and they are willing to go legally. And even when they cross the border, not everyone is as bad. I don't want to say that at all because I know how bad they have it. And if I were there, I would have. I would have left that country too and tried anything to come in here. But those are not the people we have to worry about. It's the people that, you know, will kill each other over it. You know, like I would not go as far as that. So we have to actually spit out who is right and who is wrong in this point. Because even people that cross that border are more patriotic than people that are born here. Honestly, if we could have a trade with people that don't want to live here, I would do it like right away. But we can't do that, obviously. 
But yeah, it's almost like a personal attack that those people get more prioritized than me because me and my family actually have something to offer. We create jobs for Americans. We pay our taxes on time. You know, we pay everything in cash because I'm not even allowed to open my own bank accounts and no credit card. So I have to pay everything in cash. You know, like the government is not losing any money on me. No bank is losing money on me. I adjusted. I learned the language within a year. I you know, motivate other people to vote. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong not to be able to get accepted. Obviously, I'm not doing anything wrong, but that's how it feels sometimes. So it almost feels like as if I'm like in playing some video game and these people are just being let in for free. And I'm just watching how everybody has fun, how everybody moves on. and I'm just fighting to stay here. And then while that happens, I have to listen to people that are so ungrateful and so like, I, I don't even have words for it, that they just sit here and can say, oh, I, I don't want to live here just because of the president that we have. Even with this president right now, there's no other place on this earth I would want to go that has freedom like here. Because even with him in power, no other place has this amount of freedom, especially Florida. It's like a different country here, but really, really powerful words. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, keep us updated on how the process is going and we will cheer so loud when true patriotic Americans are allowed to officially be citizens because Americans, we're, we're not a race, right? We're not an ethno state. We're not someone who only subscribes to one ideology. America is an idea and anyone can be true to that idea. Anyone can support freedom and America is for everyone because America is great. So thank you so much for giving us perspective on the traumas of legal immigration. We seriously, we're here for your fight and let us all know how we can help you. I will. Yeah, it's going to be a hard battle still, but we're getting at the end stages and I know God will have my back. So I'm sure it will be all right, but I'll update you guys for sure. 